Blog Talk Radio. George Alice took a tip from a jockey at Hialeah Racetrack in Miami and placed a bet not on a horse, but on a player named Willie Gallimore. Gallimore, number 28, came to the Bears as a late-round draft choice from tiny Florida A&M and proved to be one of the last great steals before scouting became sophisticated. Elusive and swift, Willie was the Ferrari of running backs possessing a passing gear other players only dream about. A rival defensive lineman once said, he was not hard to bring down once you got your hands on him, but getting your hands on Willie was unbelievably difficult. insightful, informative, and educational show that we hope will educate the sports listener to the specific of sport. With interviews, analysis, and a comprehensive look at the topics we feel will be appealing to the listener. And with that said, we're not just your average call-in, same subject, same question over and over sports radio, but we like to think of ourselves as informative and educational radio. So why not sit back and for the next 30 minutes or so, we hope you'll find the program informative, educational, and above all, enjoyable. And with that said and done, this is Sportspeed, and we're coming at you live. And I'm your host, John Spooler. So everybody, welcome to this Thursday program, the 20th day already of July 2023. Thanks so much for joining us on yet another uh, kind of a belated show of Sportspeed Radio. Uh, in the summer, we don't do as many uh, for various reasons, but uh, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, as I said uh, in many shows, we are a show of education. We like to educate the sports listener and uh, bring up things that you may not have heard, not just talking about, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, like most of the stations do, over and over and over and uh, this and that and whatever. But we like to bring you a wide uh, array of sports Education And one of them you heard the sound bite, and that's courtesy of uh, YouTube and Will, Duke Wilson. And that is number 28, the great Willie the Wisp Gallimore. And, you know, when you talk about great running backs, particularly with the Chicago Bears, you talk about Gail Sayers. You know, Gail Sayers was certainly one of the greatest of all time, but Willie the Wisp wasn't uh, any kind of uh, cream puff himself. He was a, a brilliant runner, and unfortunately for Willie, he was uh, killed in a car accident with one of his teammates uh, at the age of, I think he was in his 20s when he, when he did it, so his career was really uh, cut short. But, you know, we think of Gail Sayers, we think of Walter Payton, and, uh, you know, we think of George Hallis, we think of the Decatur Staley's, that were the uh, essence of what the Chicago Bears became, a factory team, 
that was uh, part of the John Staley Starch Company way back at the uh, little over the turn of the century. In those days, people worked in factories, um, and uh, they played for their teams. Uh, the, the various factory uh, places had teams. The foreman would give you a uniform. You have a couple of bucks more in your pay, and you would play on Sundays. And that's how the National Football League started. The Decatur Staleys were part of the Decatur, Illinois um, group down in Decatur, Illinois, which is in the southern part of Illinois, down near Kentucky. Not unusual to hear uh, a southern accent way down in the end of uh, Illinois, even though it's a northern state because they're close to Kentucky. And uh, Hallis brought the team up uh, at the uh, mention of uh, John Staley, who uh, didn't feel that he could support the team anymore, and so he said you'd have more uh, success in Chicago. And so North they went to Chicago, unfortunately for the Decatur Staley's, and John Staley, the starch company owner, said, if you would, could you keep the name Decatur Staley's for at least two more years? And so Hallis uh, was a person of his word, who was one of the founders, certainly along with Ralph Hay of the National Football League in the 1920s. And uh, he took them north to Chicago, uh, and uh, the, the tale is, as they were playing in Wrigley Field, and unfortunately for the Bears, there was the Chicago Cardinals there, who are now the Arizona Cardinals. They were a major team back then in the 20s. They were a tough team, and they kind of laughed at the Staley's when they were in uh, Chicago. But uh, the story goes is that uh, Hallis was practicing with the team in Wrigley Field, and he looked up and saw the Cubs logo on the uh, scoreboard and he got the idea because it was now time to change the name he uh, did his uh, thing for two years in accordance with John Staley's wishes the owner of the uh, starch company and the team and uh, he said if they're Cubs we're Bears and so the name stuck the Chicago Bears they they no longer were called the Decatur and uh, they were a powerhouse team even though they have not won a lot of championships uh, they were a team that had some really great players. And, you know, you look at particularly at running back, you know, Walter Payton, one of the greatest running backs. Uh, you know, you had um, Gail Sayers, you know, give me a few inches and I, of daylight and I'm gone. That was his uh, motto, uh, one of the great elusive runners. Uh, but Willie the Wisp Gallimore is a player that I think you really have to uh, take in consideration who probably would have been a tremendous star had he been able to, had he not had that, uh, you know, car accident way back uh, in the day. Uh, here's an excerpt from uh, some of the highlights of Willie Gallimore. Willie was nicknamed Willie the Wisp, and in reality, that was the way he ran. All of a sudden, you'd see him break out into the open, and uh, you don't know where he came from. Willie was unbelievably quick going downfield. He, he wasn't uh, sideways or this way. He just zoomed down the field and seemed to be so fast nobody could catch him. You ever try go hunting and a rabbit's in an open field and you try to shoot a rabbit? Or you ever try tackling a guy like that? He had speed like you. He one motion, the same speed, be able to cut. The only difference between him and Michael Henning, Willie was faster. To me, it seemed like... He did a 109-2 going like this. Fantastic. 
Little to win. Willie Gallimore puts the Bears on their way to another score. Willie Gallimore reverses his field. Bottles the ball. Gets it back. Shakes off tackler after tackler on a spectacular touchdown gallop. Willie Gallimore could turn the corner faster than most fellas could run forward. I've seen him do that. Gallimore never gained a thousand yards in a season, but statistics were not the measure of this man. He painted pictures in the open field. Each run was a Rembrandt, and as a collection, they became a gallery that hung in the meadow. I've never seen a back two yet. I have never seen anyone. And I don't believe you have in any of your film. Seen anyone catch you from behind or from an angle. And so there you see, you know, the interesting thing about Willie the Wisp Gallimore. We're going to be talking about Willie the Wisp and uh, his contribution uh, to the Chicago Bears. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that uh, the Bears had so many great uh, players as far as Dick Butkus. um, You had, uh, you know, uh, Doug Buffon, uh, who was, uh, you know, one of the linebackers, the great Dick Butkus, many people felt, who was one of the great linebackers uh, of all time. And uh, so we want to talk a little bit about Willie the Wisp. He was uh, born in 1935, and uh, he passed away, unfortunately, uh, in uh, Rensselaer, Indiana, on July 27th, 1964, he was 29. He was born in uh, St. Augustine, Florida. He was 6'1", 187 pounds, and he came, as you heard, uh, the great John Facenda, who was doing that uh, voiceover about Willie the Wisp uh, earlier that we ran the uh, tape on, uh, from uh, Florida A&M. He played there from 53 to 56. He was uh, in the NFL draft in 56. He was a fifth-round uh, and a 58th pick uh, in the draft. So he possessed incredible speed, and as you heard some of the other players say, great lateral movement. Many of the opposing players of the time stated they believed Gallimore could run side to side down the field just as fast as most men could run straight line. And his running style could be said to be most uh, resemble the style of Billy Sims, if you remember him out of Oklahoma. Uh, or perhaps Terrell Davis, but he was faster. So in a documentary short of NFL films on Gallimore, it was said that he was probably the last great find before NFL scouting became sophisticated. And Bears assistant coach Phil Handler, while scouting for the talent in Florida, he received a tip about Gallimore's prowess as a halfback, and the Bears subsequently drafted him in the fifth round, in 58th overall, as I said, 57th, 58th, somewhere in there. Uh, of the uh, 56 NFL draft. And his contemporaries, uh, they included Chuck Bednarik, Doug Atkins, who was a great uh, bear, uh, referred to Gallimore as one of the best runners they ever faced. So Gallimore's last visit to his hometown in St. Augustine, Florida, came weeks just before his death, and he participated in the St. Augustine movement during the Civil Rights Movement, becoming the first black person who was able to register as a guest at the previously all-white Ponce de Leon Motor Lodge, uh, where the arrest of the 72-year-old mother of the governor of Massachusetts for trying to 
uh, be served in a racially integrated group had made national headlines a few months before. So Gallimore's civil rights activism is honored with the Freedom Trail marker at his home in 57 Chapin Street in St. Augustine. His widow, Audrey Gallimore, took part in the dedication of the marker on July 2nd, 2007, in a community center in the historic Lincolnville neighborhood of the city also bears Gallimore's name as he is depicted on a historical mural painted by school children on uh, Washington Street. So uh, at the age of 29, Gallimore and teammate Bo Farrington were killed in an automobile accident on the, uh, July 27, 1964 in Rensselaer, Indiana. Uh, Gallimore's Volkswagen left the road on a curve and rolled a few miles from the team's training camp at St. Joseph's College. And uh, one of the reasons that you don't see the number 28 for the Bears is his number was retired by the Bears. Uh, and his son, Ron Gallimore, was the first black U.S. Olympic gymnast. So, you know, it was an interesting uh, situation uh, with him in the sense that uh, not being very well-known, uh, Gallimore was certainly one of the most respected and uh, probably uh, honored running backs or players, you know, in, uh, in football. And uh, it was a time when, you know, we talked about the uh, situation with scouting. Scouting was pretty much a come-and-go kind of a situation, you know, they, they, would, they would get tips, some of the scouts would get tips and they'd go down and they'd see certain players or, or whatever, but it, it didn't become as sophisticated as it is now. It's a whole uh, cacophony, you might say, of, of different people uh, who scout for teams, both in uh, professional, you know, baseball as well, and basketball and hockey. Uh, it isn't just a, a thing where you go and see somebody. Now they have all of the analytics and everything else that go with it. But Willie the Wisp, and uh, he was called the Wisp, as you heard um, one of the uh, players say, because he was such uh, so elusive. It was like a wisp of steam coming out of a kettle. You know, it's there for one second and gone. And um, if you go to uh, YouTube, uh, you will be able to uh, bring up some of the tapes and watch Willie the Wisp. He, he really reminded me, and I should say probably Gail Sayers reminded me of Willie the Wisp, Willie the Wisp Gallimore. Uh, Walter Payton was more of a straight runner and all the dives and everything that he would do, but uh, uh, the situation with Gail Sayers was much like uh, what Willie the Wisp uh, would do. So, you know, it's one of the great things, I think, to be a, a, a player, um, you know, not a Hall of Famer necessarily, but somebody who is admired by your peers. And, you know, Chuck Bednarik and Doug Atkins, two pretty darn good uh, defensive players, thought that Willie uh, Gallimore was the greatest running back they'd ever seen up to that time. And Bednarik, of course, if you remember, played in that 1960 championship uh, in the NFL at Franklin Field against Vince Lombardi's Green Bay Packers, where the Eagles won uh, the National Football League championship that year in the waning minutes. And, of course, uh, you remember Lombardi saying, uh, don't get used to this, gentlemen. It will never happen again. That is the loss of a, of a 
playoff or championship game, and of course the Packers would go on to win five championships and two Super Bowls in nine years. Uh, just a magnificent feat from a magnificent coach. And and so, you know, one of the interesting things is in sport is that, you know, we like to go back and talk about some of the pioneers of sport. You know, we, we, we have a young America today. We have a young uh, fan base that watches sports. Uh, the older fan base has kind of been alienated, I think, by sports over the years. Uh, they're they're uh, pissed about rule changes, um, you know, as far as uh, ruining the sport. Some people feel baseball is being bastardized and ruined with all of these additives now that they have. There's other people, the younger people like it. Uh, you know, pitch clocks and man on second base and extra innings and doing away with the intentional walk and, uh, you know, you name it, the base is bigger. Um, football is becoming watered down as well with all of the uh, timeouts that are happening and replays. Um, you know, we, we look back at the situation with Mike Renfro way back in the 70s at, the, uh, at uh, Three River Stadium, if you remember, the Oilers taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, in the championship game. And, uh, you know, Mike Renfro still says to this day that he was uh, inbounds. And, you know, when you look, it's, it's just very difficult to tell. And they claim that he was out of bounds. The Oiler uh, coaches, Bump Phillips, and the uh, defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators, everybody else in the booth were furious. Everybody thought he was in, and uh, I have in possession a still from the catch, uh, which is the last second of the possible play, and it's still hard to tell really whether he was. I mean, he dragged that he dragged the actual lace part, the top part of his shoes across uh, the goal line, and it's still difficult to say. And of course, you know, we know now from uh, that game, that that was the game that was responsible. That was the player responsible for instant replay. And the owners got together and said, you know, we can't have this again because the situation in Pittsburgh was such where the Steelers were such losers over the years that the uh, officials were frightened for their own lives and safety should they say uh, that uh, Renfro was in. Now, that didn't mean that the Oilers would have won the game, but it certainly turned the game. You know, sports is emotional. Momentum, as they call it, uh, is of the essence. A lot of situations happen in sports because of momentum and, and situational uh, things that happen. And whether or not the Oilers would have won that game, it's hard to say. But uh, the situation was that they lost the game because they probably lost confidence uh, going, you know, into the last uh, vestiges of the game. So, you know, we, we look at things like that. We look at way back in the 20s when we saw Jim Thorpe, who was another extraordinary player. And, you know, uh, I've heard people on uh, sports radio criticize uh, players like Ty Cobb and, and uh, Babe Ruth and some, some of the other uh, great players of the early times because they felt that, you know, how fast could they have pitched? Nobody pitched 90 miles an hour in those days. Um, and so I've always thought that greatness is measured by decades. 
you know, Babe Ruth, could he have played today? Well, you know, we, we won't know. Uh, they have done uh, situations where they uh, pieced together tape of Muhammad Ali and some of the other fighters of yesteryear, and Ali won the fight, you know, based on computer um, images and information analytics. But, you know, we don't know if, let's say, John L. Sullivan, who was around in the 1800s, who was a bare-fisted uh, fighter, uh, could have beaten Ali or not. Who knows? It wouldn't seem to be the case, but you don't know. Could Jim Thorpe play today? Um, it doesn't really matter. Could uh, Jerry Rice be uh, in the essence of what Lance Allworth was when uh, the rules were much different? Lance Allworth always said that uh, he was mostly sandwiched when he would run down the field for the San Diego Chargers, the then Chargers, uh, becoming the first AFL player to become a Hall of Fame member. Uh, and, of course, now, you know, Jerry Rice didn't face that kind of vestige with uh, defensive players. Um, but that doesn't mean that Rice isn't great, but is he the greatest? Um, you know, is Jim Thorpe still the greatest? Well, he was the greatest of his era. Um, you know, and so could uh, some of the players of today play in those days, and possibility they could have, you know, but we can't denigrate uh, the great players of yesteryear because they didn't throw 95 miles an hour. You know, when I grew up in the 60s, which I thought was a great era of sports for, for all sports, not just uh, football, uh, but, you know, pitchers lasted the whole game, and, the, and many of them would go into extra innings. It was an insult. It wasn't manly if you lasted four innings like today. I mean, you get a pitcher today who lasts four innings, it's, it's, it's godly. You know, the game has totally changed. I mean, Babe Ruth probably, uh, if he was walking around today looking at uh, some of the games in stadiums, I don't, I don't know that he'd recognize it. That's a different game. So if it's a different situation, um, you know, how can you put – somebody from the past into the present and say, you know, they couldn't have played today. Or Tom Brady couldn't have played back in the 30s when football was a headhunter game. I mean, ask Sammy Baugh about that. I spoke to Sammy Baugh years ago. Of course, he's passed away. One of the great prolific, you talk about Peyton Manning and all these great passers, uh, one of the greatest passers of all time and one of the first to really have control of the passing game when the football looked more like a rugby ball was Sammy Baugh, slinging Sammy. And he said most of the time you'd have your head handed to you. They didn't have the rules then that they have now. Players, you know, were knocked out and they'd put some smelling salts under your nose and you'd get back in there. And that was one of the reasons why so many of the players uh, concurrently had uh, CTE and, and uh, dementia problems because we realize now that that was not the thing to do. Now there's protocol, there's this, there's that. And I certainly understand how uh, leagues protect the players. But the National Football League actually protected the players only because of money. I don't really think they gave a damn one way or the other. And if you remember that uh, movie that came out with Will Smith and uh, – uh, talking about uh, how the NFL was responsible for uh, concussions and everything else, uh, the NFL fought that, that film. They didn't want that out. And now, you know, well, we have all these safety precautions. Well, you know, where were they years ago uh, when players – and part, part of it was that, you know, they didn't have the medical knowledge of what concussions would do concurrently to players. 
and we have a whole array of players. You know, we 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 saw even hockey players. Stan Mikita, who was uh, one of the great forwards of uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, actually passed away from dementia, and he wore a helmet in hockey. He was one of the few that wore helmets. That was back in the '60s and '70s when players didn't wear helmets. You know, you looked at um, uh, Joe Cap, who was the starting quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings in Super Bowl IV, the last game played between the AFL and the NFL before the merger at Tulane Stadium uh, in Louisiana, uh, had dementia. Uh, You know, you look at a lot of these players over the years who have had dementia problems, and, uh, you know, the NFL now is, is addressing it. They didn't address it years ago. So, you know, the the reason, one of the reasons in conclusion, and I don't want to get away from Willie the Wisp, but in conclusion, one of the reasons that I think uh, sports radio is, is wrong is that they talk too much about current things. And I know people want to hear about that. If you're a Mets fan, unfortunately, uh, you want to hear about the Mets. If you're a Yankees fan, if you're a Los Angeles Rams fan, you want to hear about those because – Fans are younger, and they're not really concerned about the past. But I think it's important to bring up uh, educationally these particular players who most of us don't remember. I mean, you know, if I said to you who was number 28 back in the late 50s, uh, in early 60s of uh, the Chicago Bears, you probably would say Gale Sayers. But if I said Willie Gallimore, you would have no clue who he was. And, and yet today you're learning uh, about and educate, educated about this uh, fantastic player. I think Willie the Wisp would have been certainly uh, a Hall of Famer had he lived. And uh, if you watch the video of this guy run, he was just magnificent. I mean, he just ran through people. He was uh, interesting. Somebody had mentioned to me um, that they didn't realize it was the Chicago Bears. They still had the same uniforms but they didn't have the C on the helmet. It was an all-black helmet. That was back in the 50s. They didn't get that until later. Uh, So uh, when you look at it, that is the Bears that you're watching, home and away uniforms uh, in the uh, video of Willie uh, Gallimore. So he was what I think every player aims to be, every young kid who decides to play sports. uh, They want to probably be winning a championship, certainly, uh, they want to be remembered. Uh, they would like to be in the Hall of Fame. But I think foremost, the biggest accolade that you can get is the uh, acknowledgement from your peers, you know, from players like Chuck Bednarik, who was one of the great defensive players of our time, of Doug Atkins, you know, of some of those early uh, players who played in the late 50s and 60s, uh, totally admired Willie Gallimore for his uh, brilliance on the field. And, uh, you know, it was interesting because uh, Hallis, George Hallis, who was the uh, longtime coach and owner of the Bears, really took a chance. You know, they didn't, as I said, they didn't have the sophistication in um, scouting as they do now. It hadn't become what it is. And uh, it was basically a tip. Uh, somebody had seen Willie Gallimore at uh, – you know, Florida where he played, and gave Hallis this tip, and Hallis kind of played the hunch. Hallis was a guy who kind of knew talent. There are coaches like that who kind of just know, they can look at somebody and kind of size them up and see whether they're uh, professional material. 
and uh, Hallis was right, and so was the tipster who uh, you know who gave him the uh, the idea. Uh, it was a situation where uh, Willie, even though he didn't play that long, uh, it was a situation where uh, Willie Gallimore certainly was uh, one of the great uh, running backs in professional football at the time. Well. Hopefully you learned something today about uh, the Chicago Bears and Willie Gallimore, the great running back, number 28 for the Chicago Bears, Willie the Wisp. You can see all his action on YouTube. Just bring up Willie the Wisp Gallimore, and you can watch uh, some exciting video of this great player from the past. Well, that'll about do it for our show today. Thanks so much for joining us on this segment of Sports Beat Radio Talking Sports. Today, talking about number 28, the great Willie Gallimore, the running back of the Chicago Bears back in the late 50s, 56. Uh, Unfortunately, passed away uh, in uh, the early 60s at the age of 29 in a car accident. Who knows what he would have accomplished. But we're glad to bring back his memory. Sports Beat's been a presentation of Mountain Meadow Productions and Sports Beat Radio. And until next time, all of you have a great day and great sports. Thanks for being here, everybody. We'll see you again soon.